I put Yosemite on this, and then I put iOS 8 on this. Mm-hmm. Now, beta, beta 1 and 2 were shit. I heard it. But this handoff shit is amazing. What, the where you, the continuity thing? Yeah, where you can talk to somebody that's not on an iPhone on your computer. Hmm. On it's top of somebody that... Yeah. You mean just through SMS? Yes. Yeah, that's cool. It's so good. I haven't messed with it. And calls. I'm almost not prepared for how many times the message comes up now, though. Like, if I have yeah. my iPad and my computer and my phone, I'll have this, like, bleep, bloop, bloop, you know, and it's, like, yeah. it's cool that it works, but that's it is true. it is sort of, like, I really only need two out of the three devices to be wired in. Like, yeah. I might disable it on my iPad. I use that more for pleasure. I t- uh, yeah, I'm starting to hate it on my iPad. You know what's really crazy, though? On your computer or your iPad when it starts to sync up again. When you haven't been online in a while and it goes, it'll stack them up the in, messages? In, in chronological <laughs> order and just start, it's like, it's really rapid fire too. See, I don't really use message, iMessage. I, use I, I don't use crazy. it on like my computer or my laptop or my iPad. A Facebook uh, game invitation at this late day? I fucking... The gall. But I mean, I thought I knew this person. It's never <laughs> happened before. This had to be some accidental setting. It's got to be a moment of weakness. Yeah. It had to be an accidental setting because I really don't think that Jen Funkhauser wanted to invite me to play Candy Crush. I feel like the, the lines have been drawn at this point. You pretty much know your relationship with this You're person. supposed to block those people, right? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> them. You're supposed to, like, if someone sends you a game invitation, at this point, you're supposed to block them. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other standards. What are the other things that make me want to block somebody now? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I'm not blocking these people, but I am rolling my eyes at everybody who proudly posted their IQ results. Uh, yeah, I saw <laughs> Scott posted. Oh, I thing. guess that was Scott. that was hilarious. Yeah. That's real. It's like, like it's weird. Gosh, everyone to... I know has got a near genius <laughs> IQ. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, my my Facebook feed is those stupid fucking tests mm-hmm. and babies. Yeah, all over the place. Man, I can't. I... Tons of babies. Baby, dad singing with babies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. babies laughing at babies. I'm, I'm all about babies. But I think you got to pick your mo- as as a father. I've always felt like you got to pick your moments and make sure there's some kind of entertainment value that you're loading in. It can't yeah. just be the baby. But I know that Facebook is quite rightfully used by people as a. No, I, I get it. I'm like sure, I feel like, bad if like I look down the list and I re- and like the last three posts I've put on Facebook started with Henry. Yeah. That's when I'll usually go post some R-rated shit just to just <laughs> yeah, make just sure to, people just know. Your friend, yeah, bounce just, yeah, it back right. out. People treat you like a goddamn pariah if you like not so pro having kids right now. Like yeah. that's weird. Like, well, I feel like it's teetered back back the other way. That I think you hear a lot of people now saying, "Don't pressure me." And yeah, I, I always feel I've never pressured. I've never thought of that even for a second. Like pressuring anybody. Like, yes. come on, have kids. Have kids, please. Except please. for the one time you did say to me, "Come on, have kids." <laughs> well, I did, but that was when I had a knife to your throat. <laughs> right, different. That's situation. a totally different situation. Was, yeah. I forgot. You have to my, admit, minor you have to admit that. <laughs> That alters the tone of a conversation. It does, yeah. it does, it does. Yeah. Crazy stuff. All right, well. So are we in the middle already of recording? I think the so. The beginning of episode. It's par for the course. Is this 116? <laughs> yeah, 116. 116. 116, because it comes after 115. Which was, I believe, the last episode which we, was we released. The last one. And mm-hmm. I've already checked the microphones. We've got three live microphones Get that all seem here. to be recording crisp sound. I'm ready episode. for this. So we're back. I apologize for the error last time. Last, but, last time we recorded, which meant two episodes went out with that tin can sound. But now we're back to our big budge sound. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. This, this back is to a, our high standards. Yes. This isn't a this isn't a mustard episode, right? No, <laughs> it's a ketchup. It's a ketchup episode. episode. That's right. It's some kind of condiment. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm ready. Well, I think we've seen some 
movies, a lot of movies since we last got together, and one big movie that I think we might... I was we gonna, saving that for the end? I think we should save that for the end, because okay. I think we ought to give that a Holy. few minutes of spoiler-free conversation, Holy saying, shit. go see it, and then we should just feel free to say, well, you know what I mean? We should let people know, because yeah. mm-hmm. I think that movie, there's mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. thoughts and questions I have that I, I that I, I don't know if we can talk about without getting a little spoilery. Okay. But that's, that's for later. Right now, it's right. more that kind of, you know, it's that casual part where I say, I'm John. I'm Ron. And I'm Steve. Uh, welcome to Movie Schmovie. What have you seen, Ronald? Um, okay, so the first movie that I saw, Steve saw, and I don't know if you've seen The Enemy. Enemy. Oh, okay, yes. so we... All right, so I kind of figured... You did see it, John? Yes. Okay. okay, so I figured some of that stuff out. I knew some of that stuff. Okay, very complicated movie with some craziness. I would say the craziness is like so complicated and strange. I'm actually of two minds about whether to interpret it as a almost like a piece of sci-fi mm-hmm. or as like it's all very symbolic and it's it's very it's like there's one very clear answer you can come up with to explain the movie and then there's some other kind of more interesting answers that yeah. i think leave it more open i don't know if we can talk about it without giving too much away well, but it does center on like you know t- tell t- tell the listeners a little bit about well it, it it deals with a man and his fidelity and oh hold on hold on i'm giving i feel Snap like back to reality. shit oh uh no it has to do with a guy that a history professor history professor that during the course of his travels watches a movie <laughs> that someone suggests to him and he sees a person that looks identical to him in a movie mm-hmm. he does all this research and figures out that he's a person that lives in the same city as him and he does some research yeah some of he it finds is out that he's there, there's like a, a, a like a C list D list whatever mm-hmm. actor that looks exactly like him. Yes, exactly. Like down to a scar yeah, exact, exactly uh, like that him. they both have on their on their chest. Mm. So crazy movie. Um, the big reveal is interesting. I I just think it's a really cool movie, and and I don't think that everything should be very like cut and dry when it comes to the interpretation but i've heard what the director said about he he kind of gave away what some of it was about but the interpretation of some of the sci-fi like images that are shown in the movie um we watched i we watched i sent out a interpretation video oh yeah and i kind of i kind of figured some of the stuff out but the symbolism that was kind of explained in the video made a lot of sense and i think that well, I think that that imagery is throughout the movie, and if what I'm now trying to do is take all of that imagery literally. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a way to interpret it so that that's all... There's, like, spider imagery. I guess we can say that, because it's yeah. in the first scene. There's yeah. spider imagery. It's even on the poster. It's in the trailer. Yeah. Even. yeah. Like, so there's spider imagery that I think you can either interpret that as symbolic of some kind of madness, and, mm-hmm. or what's going on with this guy's mind, or these two guys' minds, and whether they're connected... And how they're connected. And then the other side of that is if it's literal spider imagery, then we almost have like a body snatchers like scenario that's playing out. You know what I mean? Where you yeah. see and you kind of see how one person kind of take could could take the place of the other one. It reminded me of the way I felt in Primer. Yeah. When when you find that there are, are multiple versions of the guys kind of interacting with each other, and that they all kind of have, a, as we've discussed, that movie lends a, a sort of a, a really scary quality to the idea of another you running yeah. around in your world. And in this case, it's totally. I would say, as from an acting standpoint, I think what Jake Gyllenhaal does is pretty great in this yeah. movie because it's not over the top. It's very subtle throughout and moody and atmospheric and yet you know from this even when they're dressed the same or when they're dressed in each other's clothes kind of you know which one you're looking at absolutely at that's the that's the amazing part about it right beside each other you're like okay that's it's clear. that's the professor that's, that's the actor that's the professor yeah. yeah it's that's really cool and and sometimes i 
he doesn't get enough credit really really he's not considered i mean not to shit on him or anything like that he's not considered like top tier when i think that he is top tier acting quality wise i I don't know. He's been pretty him, good recently. Like he, yeah. he was great in prison. Yeah, prison. He made a huge impression. But, but he's not. People don't. That, have you seen that new trailer for Nightcrawler? Yes. He looks. I mean, that's what like the fuck a is that transformative about? performance. It looks like, and he, yeah. he's gotten a lot of buzz mm-hmm. for like you know his performance. From I'm the still film. sad that it's not about Nightcrawler from the X Men. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. I'm like, I'm, oh yeah. The first impression was like, what? Right. <laughs> How did I miss that he was going to be Nightcrawler? <laughs> and then I watched like, oh, but this thing actually looks cooler. Right. I right. kept myself very pure. Same. So when I actually watched it, all I knew was. It had some great what the fuck stuff going on in it, and particularly I'd heard there was a last moment, <laughs> and literally last two seconds of yeah. the movie. If you want to have your what the fuck reaction, that last part, and again, that's the thing where if you want to take that literally, it takes you into some really interesting places. But if you don't want to take that literally, mm. I, you can almost say that this is a uh, one of those movies. I mean, I, I don't want to be. I feel like there's really no way to talk about it without without kind of spoiling it. But we, you both let's know. be honest. The movie's been in theaters yeah. and it's on like streaming services now. Yeah. So you've had plenty. It's of on time. streaming services now. Yeah. Well, well okay. I know it's on Amazon Prime. For wow. Free. Maybe it's not a shock to suggest that if you have a movie where a guy meets an exact double of himself, that it might be a split personality type scenario. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's yeah. like the most mundane. I would be very disappointed if that's really what we're supposed to take from okay. the story. But it But there's a way to read that. That would make sense, that you can understand some of the things that are said. But sure. I, I choose to view it more that some of the things that are said, like there's a thing that the, the the pregnant wife says about school, how was school today? That moment is very important because it either suggests that these are two men and she knows she's not with her husband. Right. Or that it suggests that there's one man and that she knows she might be dealing with one of two personalities at yeah. that moment. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Which I kind of right. think was... Kind of, I, that, I which, if you were this guy's wife, you would know that you might be dealing with one personality or the other. Do you have an interpretation, Ronald? Or well, are you... I knew this was a guy fighting some of the forces that he he faced when when he was, I guess, <laughs> being a terrible person. And I think what I what I was thinking was, I mean, I thought it was. I don't mind it being two people. I mean, I don't mind it being the same person Mm -hmm. if it's done well enough. Funny enough, I'm going to talk about another movie that kind of is almost exactly like the movie we're talking about right now. Funny enough. Um, And I thought... You went Jack and Jill? (laughs) Those are two separate characters, I think. Yeah, I I think that it was him battling this moral sort of thing in his head if if he wants to be in this situation. Right. Um, But I didn't know if it was all the way everything that had to do with just relationships the explanation was basically like he was running away from relationships and the spiders were women and Mm -hmm. uh the web was like kind of what it is that he has to face as an adult he has to be you know monogamous and with his wife and facing that is is a fearful thing and it comes in the form of the spider that i I thought it was cool though i i did think it was a moral battle i didn't Mm -hmm. look that deep into it i didn't Mm -hmm. know if it was but I did think it had to do with the the battle to, you know, you oh, this this idea of yourself versus who you really are and who you should be mm-hmm. for somebody. When you when you when you're with another person, you can't really be irresponsible in the same way that you are when you're just by yourself. Right. You know, everything you do affects them. So it, you know, they showed the scene where she was talking about the 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 woman that had been in his life before, and you see how much re- like infidelity affects relationships yeah. and i don't know i thought it was a- no i know what you're saying because you don't know there's there's also something his mom says to him about 
his dreams of being an actor yeah. or something that do suggest. I mean, again, that but that almost makes it so neat and tidy that I have a hard time assuming that that's it's really as simple as that. But it it does work out. I mean, like. I don't know if it's the kind of movie that makes you want to turn around and watch it again so much as it is the kind of movie that you just kind of, it sticks with you. Like there's images and there's moods and there's things that, mm-hmm. that I found very powerful about it. But I didn't feel like it was one of those puzzle movies where I needed to turn around and, and watch it to, to make sure my interpretation was straight. I think yeah. that you kind of remember all those details really stand out. Yeah. Um, kind of want to see it again, though, at some point. I mean, I think I could I could easily watch it again, but it is not the sort of movie that just, I don't know, there's something about the, it was very oppressive and very... Like it's not the kind of thing I could imagine just being like, oh, I'll throw that on. Yeah, you know, for, was, like, oh, right, come on over, and we're gonna we're gonna watch a movie tonight. And kind of, yeah. you know, it had a heavy feeling. To it, it really does, yeah. very heavy. But I enjoyed it. I mean, Me I too. I uh, actually also thought it was. I think a lot of times when you hear a movies like that, you don't realize how fun it's going to be to watch. But I thought just the filmmaking was really interesting, and then some of the weird effects that are used to create some of those kind of dreamlike images. I thought it was a really stylish movie too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What else has, other than Prisoners, has uh, Dennis Villeneuve done? Uh, it was a foreign film, a Canadian film. Oh, uh, like the a year. In, in Cindy's or something like that? Incendiaries, oh. yeah. Or no, no, actually, I think you're right. In, in Cindy's or Incendies, yeah. Ensemble. Ensemble? I, I don't really think anything else big before that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed The Enemy. I, I think I, I saw it when it opened here. And yeah. I definitely had like a what the fuck moment, like a big moment, like leaving the theater, like kind of just having to wrap my head around it. And at that point, I don't think there was, I I, I need actually need to watch what you I didn't watch that whole video. Oh, you didn't watch the whole thing? I couldn't watch the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I need to check that out. Almost like a time and a half, actually. Yeah, I, I, I think what kept me, like just just to talk about the performance, I, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great in it. Yeah. That's really kind of what hooked me. Um Something about I've always liked him, but I do think he's turned, mm-hmm. like he's made a turn in the past. Well, even though he's not like a big name actor, I think he had that moment where they were like kind of trying to make him that leading man. He was in a bunch of movies. He had that like big Prince of Persia, Prince of, yeah, the big Disney film, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen. And so he's kind of like set set back a little bit. And he's been in some really consistently entertaining and also impressive movies. Like also, I was thinking about uh, what's the one he was in with uh, Michael Payne that we both loved. Uh, the co- when they were the cops end of watch end of watch oh yeah that oh was, my god he was yeah. incredible he was in great that. in that and, yeah you know, it's and great to see somebody like kind of hovering and like very different kinds of movies you know yeah. and yeah uh, very much so this is like a big uh canvas to kind of stretch across and i thought he was great i, I need to watch it again now that we're talking more about it because i did only see it when it came out and this was five six months ago yeah i want to see it again yeah I'm let's check it out again what's the other one that you said that was very similar just oh, you want me to just say it? Well, I'm curious which one. It was. Oh, the double. Oh yeah, because he mentioned the. Did you see the double? Well, the book. The, the book. The book yeah. that no, the book that. Um, Enemy. Enemy is based on is called the double. Right, and then and there's, there's another, another movie, movie called, called the double. double. So yeah. it's based yeah. on a novella called the double. That's crazy. Which is fucking weird. Could they be based on the same book? That'd be very strange. Who who, who wrote the book? Uh, Jose Saramago. Oh uh, no, this, this is, is Dostoevsky or something. Dostoevsky. Yeah. yeah. This one is yeah, I guess done Dostoevsky by... did, did have a book called The Double, so this is yeah. based on. But that would have been a period piece, so this yeah. this is not a period piece, right? No, no I, I can't really tell when it takes place, which is I think it may be the eighties, possibly. I don't know. It has. So kind you of... said the eighties. Did you mean the eighteen eighties or the nineteen eighties? Nineteen eighties. Okay, because I, I think, think I think uh, Dostoevsky died in in eighteen eighty one. It's considered a black comedy. It's about a, a guy a Jesse Eisenberg plays where he's a. Uh, in a job that's kind of shitty and he's a pushover 
Go- works for the government. EA works for the government. Well, it's like this weird. It's it's not very clear what this company does. They do research, and they provide this. Re- they they basically sell this research to companies. Right. Um. And he meets somebody that looks exactly like him at his job. That is a complete opposite of himself. Very confident. Uh. Very like gives off this sexual energy. Very uh in tune with people mm-hmm. and he ruins his life now what's it really interesting about this movie is not only is it that sort of movie but it's really stylized mm-hmm. richard Iowade, uh the guy that's in the it crowd and and did a couple couple like movies music videos and things yeah. like that um really really good movie if you can handle the style of the movie it's really off you know what i mean the the rhythm of it is very off and mm-hmm. if you're not hip to it really early you will hate this movie but if you're if you're okay with it if you can ride along with the the weird transitions that it makes right it's a really cool movie um jesse eisenberg in a non shitty role you know what i mean like you know how he's always he always plays like a snarky shitty yeah. person mm-hmm. even the <laughs> shitty version of him of of the double isn't even like he normally is because he's like confident in a different way he yeah. gives off a different energy. He's also like very in tune with ladies, so he can like get any woman that he wants. And that's that's normally not what you see from him. So it's good to see him interacting with himself in the movie. And it's kind of interesting when they meet each other. It kind of has the same pace as the other movie, as as the enemy. enemy. Like, yeah. so it's I I enjoyed it. I think that it's like I said, it, it has weird beats, has a very dark tone to it. Everything is like grayish. It's a cool movie though. Um, Jesse Eisenberg doing really well in it. So most of the movie revolves around him because it's him. <laughs> Why do people don't like him? He's easy. He's but easy to hate. He, but I think that has to do. Well, you know, he is. I have seen him in interviews be kind of prickish, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I also think he plays that character. I don't know. Maybe you have to be that guy to play that character to some extent. But yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it's, fun, it's always funny to me how many people like think of him as like. Mark Zuckerberg or something yeah. like that. Think yeah. of him as like an entitled douche. And I guess, I guess, what which movie was it on the junket for? Was it um, Now You See Me? Yeah, where he was so condescending to the to the journalist. But there yeah. was like on the on the press junket, there's footage of him just being such an asshole <laughs> to right. the person. That, but I forget what they're asking him that he's so condescending about. Oh, you know? wow. Do you remember what it is, Steve? I don't. I just remember. I feel like weren't his castmates there with him, or maybe they were. Mm. Somebody looked really uncomfortable. Yeah, I think it was like Isla Fisher or somebody. Oh God, to look it up. Yeah, he, he was a dick. But I mean, some of those things, you understand both sides of that. I, I bet you're bored at answering the same stupid oh, questions. Yeah. But, you know, you also would have to imagine this poor person is sitting here. They've got, they're, they're trying to get five minutes for their local yeah. you know, news station or whatever. And they're getting beat up. Right. <laughs> they happen to come in with a really dumb question. Yeah. But um, so if you want to see a double double feature, uh, the yeah. double and a quadruple feature. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was Now You See Me. And it was, <laughs> I think she asked him about like doing magic, uh-huh. and he did the little like thumb, thumb uh-huh. trick. And it, it just, I don't know, it went down. I'm just pulling it up to look at it again. It was like <laughs> worst junket interview ever? Question mark. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's him. So check that out if you have. It's really, really bad. Yeah, if you want to, if you if you're like me and you kind of like Jesse Eisenberg and you don't want to like Jesse Eisenberg, be sure to be sure to check it out. Um, I speaking of that, I I saw a documentary about a musician that whose work I've always really admired, mm. and I knew this musician has had a habit of 
like there have been band members who've left the band and I've known people who've known people who've been associated with them and it seems to me like a lot of people the band is of Montreal I don't know if you know their music mm-hmm. at all um, but Kevin Barnes is the 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 front man for the band and he always has been the songwriter but there have been different phases where he's he's like gone into the studio and recorded the entire album himself and a lot of times he still tours with a band and he's had the same band for you know 15 20 years and then very recently he finally went into the studio to record a, a band a band oriented album in the studio rather than recording all the parts himself mm-hmm. but before he did that he set up a totally new band so it's like he's constantly doing these little things mm. that are very much like leaving people kind of in his wake you know wow. and and you know that that's just the way it goes like if you know if you've bands around for a long time especially a really ambitious band like this of montreal they have a really big stage show frequently there'll be eight or nine musicians on stage and his arrangements that he goes and cooks up himself it's not just like a drum loop with him playing guitar it'll be you know intensely layered harmonies and instruments so it's really intricate i always have compared him to sort of prince in that level of like here's a guy who can go into the studio and can layer and produce a a great album all by himself Mm. you know but you can imagine working with that kind of person would be sort of hard to do at times and and the movie i was afraid it was going to go into a kind of hagiographic era area and be very like worshipful of mm. him. But instead the movie kind of goes in the other direction where it's a movie it's called uh, Song Dynasties. Mm. And actually I have it because I backed it on Kickstarter and so I got the nice. DVD oh, wow. pretty, pretty nice. And it was good, but it definitely left me at the end feeling a little ambivalent towards this artist that I admire because it was so I would say not totally unflinching. You still feel like there's stories you're not hearing, but it does seem like there's a point where you can tell in the interviews Okay, this person's talking about being in the band. They're talking about what they're working on now. They're talking about the oh, and now they're talking about being kicked out of the band. Oh, this person's talking about how they're always going to work with Kevin. Oh, this person's talking about yeah, how much they like working with him. And then they're talking about how I kind of start to feel like a just a side person to him. And then the next interview is them saying, and that's when I got kicked out of the band, or that's when I left the band. Uh. So it really starts to pile up over the course of the movie. There's just this sense that there's various people that you would like to think he would have an attachment to. Right. But again and again, when they go to him, he basically says he cares about the work and not about the people. Oh. And it's it's very strange. He, he seems at peace with himself not being a sentimental person. But it was odd that at the end of the movie, I found myself maybe even more than ever admiring the craft of what they do. But rather than it being like this documentary that goes into the fun they have on stage and the costumes and all the right. weird things, it became much more a story of this guy who routinely kind of isolates himself. Hmm. And maybe he makes amazing work, but is it worth it? I don't mm. know. It's an interesting movie. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen with it in terms of in terms of it being distributed. But I, I'll happily loan it to you guys if you wanted to check it out. But it's called Song Dynasties, and oh, it's wow. a it's a movie about of Montreal. It was only in like an hour and twenty minutes. Wow. Um, it really. I mean, it does have a narrative, but the sadly, like I said, the narrative becomes much more about this this alienating, brilliant person, and less about like the sort of the camaraderie and the collaboration of of being in a band but yeah, uh, yeah. but i would say at least it wasn't the opposite i was a little afraid i was going to be getting one of those kind of puff piece type movies that would just be a lot of concert footage and everybody talking about how great it was yeah. that's not, well, that's, that's not what this movie is at all yeah i, yeah. I kind of like that run is that sounds good though well i like it Thanks when it seems it. like a person was around and filmed a lot of stuff and that's what you get in the sense of this is okay some of these interviews were done probably eight nine years ago and Mm. some of them were done very recently so you do get a sense of like you see people age a little bit and you see people you know some different facial hair configurations come through and the one consistent thing is that kevin barnes seems to be 
you know, hyper-focused on his art. Yikes. <laughs> Which, again, what is, wh- where do you guys stand on that? When someone makes brilliant work, do, how do you feel about finding out that they're... The dicks? Yeah. Hard to deal with, maybe. Or just, like I said, just... just they, they don't care about you as much as they care about what you can do for them. It, yeah, it depends on how deep it goes. You know, no, somebody just being a dick and being very, like, arrogant, that's different than somebody that's just very cold. Mm-hmm. I, I think I tend not to side with that so much. Because, I mean, being a dick, there's still space for some sentiment. Yeah. But when somebody's, like, cold, like, fuck that person. Yeah. I just want to do that for the art. It, was, it happened. I'll never talk to them again if I don't have to. That's weird to me. That's something super cold about that and i don't i'm, I'm less accepting of that yeah. sort of uh what about thing. you steve obviously you, you you're still in the room with us so you've got a long long fuse yeah i don't mm. know i mean it, it definitely kind of hurts it breaks my heart a little bit mm. i mean like yeah. i guess i don't i don't i don't really ever feel like i step back and distinguish between like the two you were just saying ronald oh you know, like just being a dick slash like if you're just like kind of cold about it or like the way you actually <laughs> like the level of dickiness mm-hmm. yeah it's like, like i don't know i just it. feel like yeah, I don't know. I, I think like just because like pre- you know if appreciation is being shown, I think if you view appreciation as a person coming from people that appreciate your music, yeah, but also maybe the people that appreciate working with you, um, like your bandmates, right? You know, I think if you don't appreciate either one of them in return, it kind of makes it really easy for people to hate you. I think you know it, it kind of shows. Even if it's not fully intended, even if you say like that's just how he is or how she is, yeah, it's like. You know, you kind of are being a, a selfish dick at that right. point. Right. It's like somebody. There's got to be a way to do all that and also not be a dick. Yeah, I mean, like I, what you're saying is like the are, greater people... accomplishment is doing all that and not alienating people. Absolutely. But it's like that's. It's not... like you're you reach like God status at that point yeah, in right. my eyes. Like you know, <laughs> right. musicians no. like both coming from you know musical backgrounds and like you know. My my band that I had never reached any sort of acclaim, but we always had people that we looked up to, and and people in bands that maybe have been in multiple bands or had multiple members. Mm-hmm. You know, in particular, there's a gentleman that I like basically worship, and he's a he's a he, he had a band called Marvelous Three. His name is Butch Walker. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah, he's a producer now, and like having met him multiple times, it's like that person that you know. Things may not have worked out with bandmates. Things may not have worked out with bands or even as like an artist where he tours as much or produce, puts out his own music, but he's a producer now. But every single time I've met him, even as a fan, I have no insight into his life, never have I ever gotten an impression like that he's an asshole. And that weighs so heavily on me, knowing that somebody can be that talented, you know, whether it's music or film or whatever it is, you know, that talented and still be able to appreciate that they should appreciate me for taking, you know, right. a liking to what they do, you know. Does that make sense? No, totally. Like because just, you're willing a, to let someone off the hook. Like if you meet someone that you admire and they're kind of brusque with you, yeah. you're willing to sort of be like, "Oh, they're busy. They've got yeah. a million things going on. Who am I?" Yeah. But then somewhere beneath that, you're like, "But also, how hard would it have been to be like, hey, thanks?" Yeah, that's it. And that's exactly. all you need. Right. That's all you need. You need acknowledgement. Yeah. And just an ounce of mutual respect. You know. Mm. And it sounds like maybe that's not so present. Well, I mean, I, it's like I will say though, I'm not trying to vilify the guy because I think in terms of relating to the fans, yeah. he's excellent. And in okay. terms of like the crowds, he's excellent. It's much more about the people that work with him. But to, to your point, Steve, I think you're right. If you have all these people, like you know, when you're in a band, there's this camaraderie that is like there's it's just the chemistry of yeah. it, and you're totally like backing each other up. And so I would that's where I feel like oh, it's sad that those people 
in that band were part of this great music, in my opinion. And I mean, I've been to one of their shows, and it really was like a, 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 a one-band festival on stage. But to think that those people were expendable, yeah, it kind of queers the whole thing a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, it kind of makes me feel like, oh, well, I guess that feeling of joy I had at that concert was that was for us. But that if you were on stage making that, you you know you a month later he might change his mind and say we're not doing that. Sound not working anymore. out, yeah. You know? Like and I, again, I don't think that he's a villain, but I do think the coldness that you were talking about, Ronald. Yeah. I do think the difference between someone who's cold and some like someone who's a dick. There's an emotional level that you might be able to relate. You might argue with them. Yeah. They might want to punch you, but the next day they might be like saying, "Dude, I'm so sorry about last night." But yeah, someone who's but... cold the next day has already decided, "I'm just done dealing with that person." Exactly. And that, I think that that's, is that's that is yeah. that is more hurtful. It's like know? it's like a it's like a friend. Like I have irrational friends. Like I have irrational friends. We have like conversations, and they'll be like, "Man, I I fucking want to hit you with a car, right?" In that moment, and then we'll talk are you, tomorrow. Are you friends with the Hulk, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then next day they'll be like, "Man, that was stupid." What I said, and then the difference between that and a cold person is the next time you talk to them, they're like, "Lose my number, fuck you." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, there's yeah. something really weird about people that can't dial it back. Yeah, and and people that commit to that idea of themselves mm-hmm. like once i'm done i'm done that's yeah. how i am i'm blunt i'm blunt i'm yeah. a shitty person yeah. when it comes to my work right, no. like i don't like people like that well the and reason I- those people are able to keep that veneer up of being this hard person is because that's how they when they do break it off with you they really break it off so they never deal with the ugliness of what's going exactly. on exactly they're able to cauterize and move yeah. on but in a way they don't get the growth that someone gets by by coming back the next day and having to look down and, and say i'm yeah, really sorry yeah, about that's that, a, you know? yeah you have to own up to that and I, and I think they're like i think that's why i so we're saying kevin barnes is missing out on life's greatest pleasure yeah <laughs> being a man about shit it's like it's like it's like we We've had moments where like things had to we had to have conversations where Even though we he li- does come on stage and sing a song at one point wearing a G string on top of a white horse. Okay. So he has lived life. He's, he's lived know? life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we've had moments where we've had to talk about shit. Yeah. And 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 I and I and I shiver. I fucking think about if we were all like fuck each other, mm-hmm. if we were like, oh, there's a little bit of like a rhythm that we had to work on, and, and we didn't work that out. Yeah, how fucking weird would that have been if we were just like, fuck it, I'm yeah. done, I'm done with this. That's yeah, it's something very cowardly about people like that. Mm-hmm. And I've never been the type of person to walk away from that sort of thing. And I and I I, I don't know. But I still want to see it. I, I like to see human real stuff. Yeah. So that's real. No, I you're mean, right. I, and I do think they took this just from tracking the kickstarter i think it took them a while to finish the movie and now that i see it why well, probably what they were doing was refining all the stuff they had down to that narrative because i think when you yeah. shoot a documentary you don't know but at the end of this it's odd though that i was like i wonder if they're gonna scra- you know, if they're gonna hit on the idea of just rumors i've heard that he's a difficult guy to work with and then like five minutes in you're like oh that's what this movie's gonna uh-huh. be about is, is this guy being difficult but right right so yeah i don't know what's going on with it but i encourage you guys uh cool see song dynasties cool cool steve what have you what have I seen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I talked about it yet. Did I talk about wish? Uh, wish I was here. No, no, I was curious about that. I don't think I did. Did I? <sighs> I God. almost feel like you, no. You know what? Hmm, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, obviously, it wasn't very memorable if you did. So no, yeah. but I, I feel like you mentioned something about it because you. I think what it was is when we last got together. Weren't you going to try to watch it the night before you left town or yes, something? Yes, that's when I did watch it. Okay, so I don't but know. The, I don't. I don't, know I don't the, think we talked about it then. I don't right? think. I don't think we've recorded since then. Should I check to make sure in case you need to cut this up? And <laughs> you know what? 
Let me check real quick, John. They might, folks might be getting a bonus movie discussion about everyone's favorite topic, Zach Braff. Yeah, right? Mm. <laughs> I thought, for some reason, I feel like I put it in one of the episodes. I feel like you may have mentioned it, but because no one else had seen it, it was just sort of a, yeah. a quick thought or two. Mm. Damn, I feel like an idiot now. Yeah, that's that's the problem with getting <laughs> together remember. once a month now, is that uh, it's when hard to remember what last? we talked about. No, but, yeah, I definitely watched it after that. Yeah, yeah okay. you're right. You're right. We, I, we recorded that Wednesday. I, yeah, okay. So, yeah, wish yeah. I was here. <laughs> um, not wish I were here. Right. It's kind of, the grammar bothers me a little bit. Is that right? Is that proper? Wish I was here? Wish I wish were I was, here? Wish I were. I think I wish I were here. Well, but I wish I, I were does, here. Don't I and me I go with the rule of like you say it the way, like I was, was I? I maybe it should be wish I was here. Maybe. I don't know. I've, I've, I was wondering that. I was yeah. hoping maybe you might, because you, you're pretty great with grammar. I'm was... good, but that's that's one of those areas where I, okay. would, I would say it one way one time and the, the other the next. I'm not a... I'm a grammar scold, Steve, but yeah. I'm not actually that informed. <laughs> I just like being right about it. So, yeah, something. I mean, we've talked about it before. Uh, we, when the whole Kickstarter thing came out, it was really interesting because it was kind of a, you know, with the Veronica Mars stuff and, you know, some that succeeded wildly and some that failed horribly, um, like the Melissa Joan Hart one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew I could see it in your eyes. Uh, so, it was really cool because, like, over the past month or so, I've been, like, getting all these emails about this Kickstarter, just like you just talked about yours. Mm-hmm. You know, the fulfillment of these perks is, I think, really, really exciting as a, as a supporter and a fan of a musician or of a, an actor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, kind of getting these things for which I was here over the past few weeks was really great, and I was really curious to see how they would handle the level of backing that I participated in, which was that basically they were doing online screenings for everybody that backed the film at that level. So, you know, basically I think it ended up being like two weeks before it came out or ish. Um, so everybody got a link, you know, mm-hmm. and you got, you logged in with your email address and it was this really nice website, you know, and it's HD, it was HD mm. and I plugged it up to my TV and watched it on my big TV and it nice. was, it was awesome in my living room and we watched it and I, I actually really liked it. I mean, I definitely am, I'm a fan of Zach Braff. I know he's got tons of haters and maybe some in this room. I love Garden State. I like Scrubs. Me too. Um, this movie definitely feels like he's trying to capture that Garden State ness, like that 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 grown man who something's just not clicking. He's not moving on. Something or lo- not forgetting something that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in this film, like he's you know he basically plays a, a father. He's married to Kate Hudson in the film. His dad. Um, They've just found out that the father is ill, and they basically can't send their children to this uh, this uh, what what is I guess like a private school mm. for uh, the Jewish religion. And what is that called? Hebrew school. Hebrew <laughs> brain fart. Uh, Hebrew school. Yeah, brilliant. You do need a vacation. Steve. I do. And it's coming soon, John. Um, so it's basically like you know he realizes that he hasn't really succeeded much in life, you know, in, in any kind of really great scale. And, he, and he's a struggling actor, and they just decide, you know, this is an opportunity not only to get closer with your kids, but maybe you can be successful. Mm-hmm. And he basically takes on the task of, like, homeschooling his kids. And it's, like, you know, they get he gets closer to his children, better understanding his children, better understanding his wife, you know, and also a relationship with his father, you know, that maybe has been uh, splintered over the years, you know, because of him focusing so much on succeeding at something that maybe he should have let go of a little a little while ago. It definitely has a lot of the shit that people criticize Zach Braff for. Yeah. It's like it's kind of heavy-handed. It, it's like overly emotional at times. But I, I mean, honestly, like I reacted to most of it. Just like I kind of figured I probably would. <laughs> I, I fell prey to it. Um, well, the backlash against Zach Braff 
Zach Braff. <laughs> we Zach are Bra- all on par. This <laughs> the, Zach Braff backlash. <laughs> the Zach Braff backlash. Uh, the Zach Braff backlash is... I mean, like, I've never had a huge opinion. You know, I'm I'm really fond of his work as Monkey in the Oz the Great and Powerful. I know you loved him, um, in, in but Oz. um, but in general, I just I don't I feel like it's disproportionate to what he's done. I think that the way that people hate on him, I don't. I mean, I guess I sort of understand. I'm a cynical person, so I can understand hate of <laughs> of any kind almost. But I don't understand. I don't understand why so many people. Like why be bothered by somebody who makes you know he makes these a certain type of indie film? I know yeah. I know a lot of people seem to really like Garden State when it came out and now have turned on it. Yeah, I've never seen it. So what? I know, isn't that strange? God. But it means I'm above the fray or I'm below the fray. I don't have to have an opinion. But my whole wow. point being, it's just culturally, it was really interesting how when that first came out, everyone was saying, "Oh, you got to see it," and now people say, "Oh my God, Garden State is so and so self indulgent and cheesy." And I I just don't understand. Well, like. What is it that has changed about our culture that when that came out, it was exciting to people and that now right. they think it's too cutesy or something? I, I don't know because I, I can't relate to that. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't. I guess I can try to understand where it would come from. It, they are. I mean, they're definitely are. It is, it is self-indulgent at times mm-hmm. and it does feel very cheesy at times. But something about him, like I guess people maybe – I think a lot of people just don't like him also. So, I mean, like him in the role – playing that out and he yeah. writes and he directs it you know like i feel like, the like fact that it's that personal yeah. allows them to like it less i, guess. I, I honestly think it is yeah. you know i think it's related to that but um you know i thought the cast was pretty solid like a lot of usuals like uh uh <clears throat> turk showed up in i don't know turk's real name um showed up in it but actually really small role but i thought mandy patinkin was really great i mean he has like a couple really really great scenes and there's a scene at the end between zach braff and his brother who's played by josh gad um, who's kind of like an estranged brother who was obviously much closer with the mother and, you know, when she when she left or passed on, you know, kind of separated himself from the family. There's a really, really great moment that really fucked me up, like yeah. at the end of the movie, like a father-son moment that destroyed me. And um, just, I mean, in terms of emotionally reacting to a movie, I don't know that it's, uh, in the past year or two, it's something that's hit me that hard. Um, and that's kind of like... I feel like I always kind of relate to a lot of his 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 two films in that matter. Like I feel like I emotionally react to his movies, whether it's because I've always wanted to stand on top of a canyon and scream, you know, like mm-hmm. the everybody's Garden State moment that they talk about, you know, because I think it's like relative, you know, like I, you can relate to it whether you want to criticize it or not. I feel like a lot of people, whether you hate him or hate his movies, some of those some of those things that you criticize, I feel like we've a lot of people have been in the situations before. Right. Um, I think it. I think it, a lot of it does root in maybe just not liking him. Um, but I, I liked it. I mean, I didn't love it. I, I definitely am still more of a fan of probably Garden State. But for the weight of that last scene, um, and just kind of like a fun, the relationship between him and his kids are really is really fun and very casual. Yeah. Um, it actually kind of like it was funny. It kind of reminded me of like a little bit like with you and Henry like it's <laughs> it's very casual but like respect you know there's 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 tons of respect on display and you know but it's like they're friends but yeah. there there's clear lines between a friend and your father and you know it's kind of loose and fun but when it gets serious it gets serious yeah and it, it was it was it was kind of cool and to see it strength- well now i can't wait to see it <laughs> well and now and then to see it strengthen through the sounds film. like a really good movie about a great dad <laughs> <laughs> basically it's your bio john um you know, it's just like, the, and to see that relationship get stronger throughout the movie was it was fun. And the kid, the kids in the film are really good too. Um, Wasn't it the daughter from Fargo? Yeah, and uh, the te- the television series. And I yeah. forget who the boy was. I've seen the kid somewhere else before, but um, 
I said that I say Fargo, and I don't even qualify that I'm talking about know, the TV show now. I know, um, but I, check it out. I mean, I, I definitely. It, it, it's weird too because I've been reading a lot about it in preparation for this episode, and, and I think it's not. It has pretty much not performed. Like it's gotten rolled out slowly, like a like a release, like it it, it should release by Focus Features. Right. But it, it hasn't been doing very well. I, I think the the breath train has stopped. Maybe. And I'm sure they'll make their money back. Right. I mean, it's it's done it's done enough of that. But I think they, I think they really, really try to ramp it up. I mean, I saw a lot of stuff for that movie online and like you know. Yeah, I did too. Attached to a lot of banner streaming. ads and, yeah. and stuff. And uh, it just hasn't connected yet. And I, maybe maybe it will later. Kind of you know. Well, was there weird resentment? We don't need to reopen our Kickstarter debate, but is there weird resentment about the fact that it seemed, wasn't that what I kept hearing people saying was why is Zach Braff asking for money to make the movie he quote unquote wants to make when I think the general opinion seemed to be that whatever notes he might have gotten from a studio that he was trying to avoid getting, it's not like he was trying to make some weird art film that had like close-ups of rectums taking shits or something <laughs> like that. He was trying, which I would love to see. Now, but, 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 <laughs> there you go. But he was no, he was trying to make like a, a warm-hearted like indie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the movie. I, I don't quite understand why that movie had to exist outside the system, except for the fact that. Zach Braff knew he had a fan base that he could mobilize. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But do you think maybe that's the... Do you think that a lot of the backlash came from... Because I know there were people saying that right away. Even when he was raising the money, people seemed to be saying, why is Zach Braff, <laughs> why is Zach Braff asking for money? Do you know what I mean? I definitely Did you hear you that? I, you know? I, I, I don't I necessarily feel... I don't begrudge him that, but that yeah. was the sort of... I think if that was actually the case, then our our society is much further along in terms of technology and and online sites like Kickstarter than I than I see it as. Like yeah. <clears throat> I feel like, you know, the press that it gets and whatnot for the movie for the people that would support a film like that or an independent film or whatever, if it really is the fact that what is Zach Braff doing asking for people to help him make a movie? Yeah. That's like I mean that that's pretty extreme in my opinion that seems mm-hmm. pretty extreme. I mean the film got made Tons of movies get made many, many ways every day, every week, every month of a year. Right. Whether it's through you helping or tons of wealthy people helping. You know, it's like you can see I can see it from both sides of the coin, but that would be absurd to me if like, you know, people are like, fuck him. Why'd he help? Right. Why do you get people to help him? Not to mention that, you know, think of if, if you're right, that right, person, right, you're right. Like, where, think about think about what like I just said. Like, like, where does I, the money come from anytime you're exactly, watching a movie? You, exactly. you just happen to know how this yeah. money was right. raised. You and know? if people want to back it, then what are you to criticize yeah. it? I mean, I know, not to get too far into it again, but it's just like, I just wanted to say, right how I preface this whole film, you know, discuss, discussing this movie was like, I loved being a part of that backing. Like, mm-hmm. the process, I think that they did an absolutely fucking astounding job of getting people involved. You got your own login to this special website. He put videos up every week, like interviewing the crew, interviewing the cast. I'd never been more involved in seeing how a movie got made than mm-hmm. I saw them making Wish I Was Here. He sent, like, everybody got a, a playlist through iTunes, like, that they made, which is basically the soundtrack, mm-hmm. but wow. slightly different. He got the scripts before, you know, it, it was really amazing. And I think I paid, like, 25, 30 bucks. I would have paid that to go see the movie, yeah. you know, and I got to watch it in my house. Yeah. You know, I got a t shirt. I mean, it was, it's, it's, as a, as a backer, as a fan, if you don't want to back it, don't back it. Maybe right. go see the movie later. But, like, some people really... I think that's the key thing there. Speaking as a fan, yeah. if you do... 
like because it's like with this thing you know like there were a couple of premiums the the of montreal yeah. thing there was like a, a a vinyl pressing of some old demos or something that came out in the middle of the year and it's like it's kind of what you said you just you feel like you're part of it there were these little updates coming you yeah. you knew you when you were supporting it that what you were trying to do was brings but it's like have uh, some small part of bringing something that you respected or wanted to see into the world you know it's like you're not even saying i know this is going to be great you're yeah. just saying it's kind of fun to be part of this process so in that sense you're right if someone's standing on the outside saying how dare you spend your 50 bucks that way or whatever yeah. then i think people are ridiculous yeah i think if you are so busy with what other if folks you've are ever doing. seen a movie like like Transformers in the movie, in the movies, anything that costs over $125 million to make, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. Mostly because that money comes from corporate giants who do not, you know, them frivolously spend money on bullshit to direct the funds to something that's a little more calculated. And then you get rewards like for, for contributing, like t-shirts and playlists. I don't know. Which I as think, a fan, you get to decide whether it's yeah, worth it to you. you know? I think that's amazing. And I think that people who... It's no different than dropping like 40 bucks on a tour t-shirt when you go to a concert yeah, or no something. Different. You know? yeah. like, it's no different. I think that people like to fight their own battles. And some of them are frivolous. Some of them are dumb. And I think that this is one of those ones where people are like, I don't understand. How. <laughs> Have you ever tried to raise a million dollars? Have you ever in your life tried to well, raise a I mean, million dollars? I think the criticism with him is just like you, John was saying, like, you know, if this is like a, a, a wealthy celebrity. Yeah. You know, I think... But I mean, I don't know. It's it's this could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. I don't want to go too far. It, but it, I think it, being it, able to see both sides doesn't mean that those people don't need to chill out. Exactly. That's <laughs> right, exactly right. it. I mean, so so if he did just put his money up and made it himself, mm -hmm. that's one man involved in making his movie. He did it. Whatever. You're gonna yeah. go pay see it. Maybe if you like him. If you don't. But like instead of just being a dick and thinking of it only like that. Not so much why couldn't he do it himself, but I think what people were saying was, what was he trying to make here that he couldn't have gotten backing from a studio? But either way, the point being, if, if someone can tap into that fan base to do yeah, what they want to do. Yeah, I, I think that's the main motivation. Like, if I was a star, a celebrity, an athlete, whatever, and I wanted to get something made, if there was a way for me to get it made as opposed to getting X amount of money from a corporation, like Ronald said, versus maybe involving all my fans mm -hmm. or my supporters and being like, let's just, let's just make this us. Like, let's just do this. Yeah. I'd rather work with you guys and get all my fans involved. He has a rabid fan base of people that do like really support him, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, but then tons of people who hate him. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, if I was like a celebrity or at, like, if I was LeBron James or Michael Jordan, I wanted to make a documentary. If I had the, 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 the four, the forward thinking to say, I could get tons of people involved in this and have the infrastructure in today's world to really make them involved that would never exist otherwise yeah. Yeah. you know except for people just paying the money to go watch it at the theater and let, let tons of other people you know make profit off of it still i don't i get it i wish i was here i really i did really enjoy it it's not I, I didn't love it there are definitely some flaws i think kate hudson is really underused she's pretty much missing from the a majority of the film and it, mm -hmm. it definitely felt like a favor i'm, I'm gonna play your wife in like two or three crucial scenes but um, you know that's kind of it's it's him and his kids for the majority of the movie. Uh, I definitely think you should check it out. Um, you're not gonna love it, but I think I think you'd enjoy it for sure. And uh, it, it's in it's in its release still now, and uh, it's it's at the widest point, so you, it's probably still in a theater uh, near you. Yeah, wish I was here. I always wish I was here. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald, see anything uh, else? What else? Uh, yes, I did. Um... I saw I Origins, the Michael Pitt. Yeah, Michael Pitt movie. Ugh, oh, Michael Pitt. 
that? that was a weird one. Britt Marling was in it. I fucking love that woman. Um, is it pronounced Mike Cahill? Cahill? Mikhail? I don't even know who you're talking about. Uh, the guy that did... <laughs> an, he helped with... Off an, of your facial expressions. He did Another Earth. Have you ever seen that movie? Nah. Britt Marling? I have not seen okay. it. Okay. Britt Marling. Uh, Sound of My Voice. Have you seen yeah. Sound of... Okay. So Britt Marling yeah. and Michael Pitt are kind of in the movie where this guy is uh, a scientist, logic-based guy, and um, he studies eyes. Um, and the whole idea is he's studying... He's trying to basically give sight to animals that don't have sight. Trying to find an animal that doesn't, you know, doesn't have vision and trying to give it sight. And um, he's very anti-religion. Mm-hmm. And he meets a spiritual woman that is gorgeous and has beautiful eyes. He takes pictures of eyes that he loses very early in, in their relationship. Now, he finds out. Uh, so, so one of the most interesting things about the movie is there's this emphasis that everybody's eyes are very unique. It's like they're, I don't know, like thumbprint, like very unique, mm-hmm. very cool. And he finds out through an eye study that there's somebody in the world that has the exact same eye as his girlfriend that he lost that actually died. And his whole idea of science, it's challenged because up until this point... His theory, I mean, like, it was proven through science for up until this point that no one had, a you, you know, an eye that wasn't, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's no so, one has, like, no one the, has the exact same eye. No two eyeballs no are two the eyeballs same, like snowflakes. Same. Yeah, like snowflakes. Mm-hmm. So it challenges his whole belief system. Right. And that's really cool because it's all, it's like science versus religion thing and. I can't say that was the best movie I've ever seen, but I I I, was... I have heard a lot of in, in reviews saying that it's like something you should see. Yeah, it's like it's... not not raving about it, but just like yeah, just like a movie like it's kind of unique and original and it's heavy. It's yeah, a, like it's to one think those... about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like spiritual anything that gets into like religion and believing in things versus science in a way that isn't like preachy either yeah. can be a little heavy, and it's a heavy movie, and I I really enjoyed it and. Britt Marling and Michael Pitt, and I don't really know the name of the lady that starred as the woman that lost her life. Um, let me look her up. Astrid Burgess Frisbee. She played Sophie, the girl that he was in love with oh, that, gotcha. that that died, that had the unique eyes. Um, and the way he finds her when he first meets her is really, really cool and. Has that indie feel? It's kind of irrational way to find a person once they leave your life, but it, it's it was cool. It was a cool movie. I'd suggest that anybody sees it um, if you ever get to an art house theater. Um, well, I would recommend something since you were talking about religion in that uh, in that movie. Mm-hmm. There's another movie that's in the art house theaters right now and it's on demand as well. Um, it's a, a great. Uh, vehicle for Brennan Gleason called Calvary. Oh, I've heard amazing. Oh things. man, how was that? I mean, I, I was wish you guys had seen it so that I could confirm. It's like it's a very talky, very slow-paced movie, mm-hmm. but like every scene is a kind of philosophical showdown between this this priest and someone in the this, this small town where he is, his church is. And it's uh it's like he Brennan Gleason, you know, if, if you know him, you know how great he is. This yeah. is like 
what makes this movie what makes me think this movie may be great is largely the strength of his performance and the character he plays and the way the movie just delves into that character and it starts off and you believe he's he's like a He's like a snarky on the inside, but very measured and warm-hearted guy, and he has this great relationship with all these people, but everyone in this town is like this witty, fatalistic person that's always challenging his role in in modern life, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they all, there's a lot of talk in the movie about, uh, you know, abuses of, of altar boys by priests and that kind of stuff. So, like, the movie kind of sets it against the backdrop of a world where the Catholic priest is a person who's not trusted and his viewed as kind of an oddball or a weirdo or an outsider from society. Yep. And I read somewhere where the the uh, writer director um, John Michael McDonough said that he proceeded with the idea of writing about a good priest, but like seeing how this guy's in a world where people kind of like he, every place he goes, like someone's calling him over to make fun of him or to ask him a question that he's going to respond to in a sincere way, knowing that the person is goading him or trying Mm. to tease him about his religious beliefs. And some of the conversations are really dark and some of them are really funny. Um, But the the general thing is as you watch him kind of taking shit from people, you do begin to wonder what's up with his past. Is there a secret we're going to find out? The movie's set in motion when at the very opening scene uh, in a confessional booth, the person who is confessing to him says that they're going to kill him. Yeah. And they basically say they were abused as a child. And uh, uh, what would be the point of killing a priest that's actually an abuser? I need to take something. I need to strike out against the church and make people hurt. Like that, you know, killing a good priest would be more of a statement. And besides, the guy who abused him is long since dead or whatever. Mm. So the whole movie is set around the idea that the guy's saying on, on Sunday, next Sunday, I'm going to kill you on the beach at this place. And so... We see the days of the week go by, and we see him have all these encounters. It's a great role, like I said, for Brennan Gleeson. It's really very interesting, and like I said, the darkness of it and the philosophical nature of the conversations, there's a lot of food for thought in the movie. And it's got that kind of dark humor where, like, like just for instance, there's a scene where the church burns down, and the, you know, the priest is standing there watching the church burn down, and someone next to him says, maybe you should use bricks next time. And it's just like... Okay, it doesn't play like they said a really mean thing. It plays like, oh, it's just one more shitty thing this guy has to deal mm. with. Is that like, you know, <laughs> instead of saying, oh my gosh, Father, what can we do to help you? They're, they're saying like, well, there went your church. Enough moments like that that pile up. There's a kind of inevitable quality to what happens in the movie. But I think that the, there's a lot of meta speech about kind of writing. There's references to third acts and there's references to um, what kind of role you play in life and running out of lines and needing new material. And it's kind of dovetailed in with conversations about the nature of creation and you know uh, the movie does not really take a stance on any kind of religious thing it's much more about the role of that religious person in in modern life and how hard it would be if you were a good priest to try to walk the the right path you know right yeah so I Calvary. That. that's on my yeah. list i gotta see that so weird as we were talking just now look who got an email from Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, we got Zach, a message from Mr. Zach Graff. Zach Graff. Mr. Graff. Mr. Fat Graff. <laughs> it's an invitation um, to the Melbourne Film Festival. Oh, wow. Oh, it's it's okay. not an invitation at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know that well. What else did you guys see? Um, I'm trying to think. What else did you see Need for Speed? Anybody see Need for Speed? I didn't see Need for Speed, but I realized there's a movie that slipped through the cracks, and we're, we haven't even gotten to our big movie yet. Oh, yeah, we did. But there's another big movie that, that slipped through the cracks, and that's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Did we talk about that? Fuck, I feel we? like we did. No, we we made conversation about. We were horrible. We made com- the last time we got together. We talked about we, the. T- we the, didn't because we it, talked it, about two of those in the title, but it was coming out the day that the mm. episode. It came was out. the day before. Did we talk yeah, about boyhood? 
Who? No. Boyhood? Boy. We didn't talk about Boyhood. We didn't talk about... Did, did anybody see Boyhood on it? No. I saw Boyhood. Was it good? It, okay, so it was good, but it could have been... It was three hours. Three whole hours. Wow. It, I didn't know that. It could have been shaved down to two and been an incredible movie. Three hours makes it just a great movie. Yeah. Because, I mean, seeing someone grow in a movie, in a, like, you know, really grow... It was it 13 years? It's a fascinating experiment, no matter... Yeah. Even if the movie had exactly. been terrible, I was... I, the way it was done is really interesting. Oh, man. It's worth seeing. It's definitely yeah, worth definitely seeing. definitely want to see it. Um, I want to see it again. I wish it was shaved down 40 minutes to an hour. But it was, it was great. And there were scenes... Because... I think because there was so much footage... Where there was just like nothing going on in the scene, and I think that the, you know that kind of comes from me being uh, somebody being like I cut 180 hours of film down yeah. to <laughs> three hours, mm-hmm. but god damn it, if it was like two hours tight, two hours, oh, would have been so much better than three hours of sitting and watching a kid grow. Yeah, it's always interesting when that's the case, when you can kind of tell, like, if you can really admire something and still see a better version of it, kind of uh, lurking inside yeah. it somewhere. So, but uh, yeah, so Dawn, Dawn, of, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Did you see it? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it. I, I feel like it would be the movie we were all raving about if it weren't Had for they the, not have been a better movie. Oh. Or just a movie that... Yeah, I don't want to say better. Of course, we're talking about... Like, there's, you know, no, no more fake suspense. Sorry, Jason Conti. <laughs> um, but we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy is the movie we all just saw last Friday or around uh-huh, that time. Uh-huh, you saw it actually uh-huh. a, a week, just a little over a week yeah. ago. Right? Mm. But... um. Steve couldn't get us into that screening. That was a hot yeah. ticket. Yeah, but So we all have seen Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, but had we not seen Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I do believe that right now we would be talking about Dawn of the Planet of the Absolutely. Apes. And just how, what a great, solid, like the effects were great. The the feel of the movie was great. I felt like it. The, the, that, that nighttime battle, the, the siege with the apes attacking on the tanks and stuff was just, was like horrifying and really cool action. I don't know. I just think that movie did so many things right that if you're going to look at a sequel that somehow does exactly what you wanted it to do and yet still manages to surprise you within the story. I thought that that was a, a, a really great film. I couldn't say it better. I mean, you're absolutely right. I was gearing up to talk in this episode like how that's my movie of the year. Yeah. Like, oh, God. this. But I mean, it, it is up there. I mean, uh, so good. we were all super stoked in this movie. I think that, uh, you know, um, is it Matt Reeves? Yes. Did an incredible job of not only, like you just said, kind of creating its own footprint, but also taking what what was in Rise and kind of creating this just new platform, a platform where like, you know, there's a character, one of the more, you know, the character of Caesar in these two films is outstanding. Incredible. I mean, like, I don't know that there are many other characters that like, I feel like I hang on every action and moment, like as you're watching him mm-hmm. that I do with him. And especially in Dawn of like, just, just, Trying to understand, like, what is going through this ape's mind. I mean, that sentence. Yeah. That what is going yeah. through this ape's mind. You are thinking it the entire it's film. so smart to, that they started with the apes, that they spend the yeah. first 10 or 15 minutes showing yeah. us the ape society that's been built up. Because what we did in that scene was we got totally invested in, in like, the choices Caesar has made. Yeah. And especially, like, there's that scene between Caesar and Maurice very early in the film where they're kind of sitting on the hilltop looking yeah. out at their society and they're having this really complicated conversation with sign language, language. which is, like, beautiful to watch the way they did, oh, yeah. the way they animated it. And then the things they're saying, they seem like the wise old men. The elders. Or the, yeah, the, the, yeah, exactly. They seem like the elders of the, of the tribe that you go, like, 
oh, please listen to these guys. These guys know what's going on. And I love the way the, th- the theme that they create of Caesar has compassion for humans partially because he saw compassion from humans. Yep. Yeah. And that the other apes don't have this... this That's crazy. This, this texture to their relationship with humans. And then you have Koba, who in a weird way steals the movie in some ways. Like, yeah. And if you go back and watch Rise and you see like the story of what really played out with Koba, mm-hmm. at the end of Rise, it seems that, oh, they finally rescued that poor ape who's had all the experiments done on him and now he's really loyal to Caesar. The fact that they take that relationship and, and twist it into something genuinely tragic yeah. in this movie, yeah. like the split between Caesar and Koba, you feel both sides mm-hmm. of it. You feel you feel Koba's shame at Caesar kind of turning his back on him, but you also know that Caesar's right when he says Koba can never understand peace because he he doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't know, know what it. people are really yeah. capable of. I just found that incredibly moving. And like you said, we're talking about a couple of chimps and how they relate, you know, and it's, it's like... It's incredible. And it you don't really feel is. silly at all. Like, there's no silliness in these films. Yeah. And, and that fucking orangutan looks real, guys. I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> the chimps look pretty good, but they, I think orangutans are just weird enough looking animals yeah. that when you see a fake one, you're like, there's something... But I, I honestly was... I was... I mean, I came... Everyone I saw, like, in the next week that was going to see that movie, I was like... Wait till you see the orangutan. <laughs> he looks so real. But I, I also thought just as a character, it was great to see the way they, in these movies, the way they've adapted those, you know, from the original Planet of the Apes movies, those characters, the way they've, they've kept them truer to their sort of, their physical condition yeah. of apes. But they still have all these sophisticated personalities and the fact that they have like a school where they're teaching their kids to be peaceful and... The fact that the ape, you know, like the the kid hands the comic book or the graphic novel off to the yeah. the, the orangutan for him to read. That stuff is all so like, just so well developed, and it, you really do feel like you're watching, uh, uh, you know, something if not not totally realistic, but something kind of plausible from a from a you know philosophical standpoint. Yeah, and I thought Gary Oldman. I love him in Commissioner Gordon mode. He was. I love when he underplays, and I thought he was really good as the yeah. kind of morally ambiguous uh, leader of the humans. What did you think in general? Do you think I've heard a lot of criticism about the human characters being kind of lacking in in? That I'd say movie. I'd say I, I did not I did not feel that. If anyone I did, I would only probably say Gary Oldman's. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, think the character leaves a huge mark. I'm just saying I liked his performance. You know. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's Gary Oldman. Yeah, I I, I didn't really it didn't really bother me. I thought that there was enough. I feel like the shift happened. Yeah. You know, I think the shift was like you know, in in, in Rise, you know, it was we were really vested in in what you know James Franco's character and his father and and the and the girl he met and you, there was a it was heavy on human element and like slowly you're kind of realizing I'm I'm starting to care more about the ape characters in this film mm-hmm. than the humans. And I mean, the reality is that's, that's what the franchise is. You know what I mean? Like the human element is scarce in that world. And I don't know that that's not a parallel in the way they made this film. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not, I don't think that they're as much of a factor in this movie and where this movie goes from here. Um, yeah, we took Henry, which I was wondering whether I should, but it's like it was my birthday and we were going to see a movie. And I was like, okay, yeah. Henry's seen all kinds of kind of PG-13, you know, violence. He's seen – and if you look at the the ratings on the sites where they, where they tell you yeah. this stuff, like, you know, a lot of movies that Henry's already seen have gotten like four or five stars for violence. Like wow. Lord of the Rings movies and Indiana Jones movies are uh, very violent mm-hmm. films. So we took him to see it. And, and I remember in that, in that nighttime battle scene with the fire and the monkeys mm-hmm. screaming and everything, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, that's the only thing <laughs> I was worrying and about. And I kind of turned to Henry and I was like, I, after that scene was over, I was like, 
was like, Henry, that was pretty crazy, wasn't it? And he said, you mean crazy awesome? Woo! <laughs> so I was like, Perfect. okay, he's fine. But I'm taking him to see the movie. I prepared him for it. I was like, Henry, he was like, are the people in the apes? I bet they make friends. And it looks like a commercial, like that guy and that, that one ape, they make friends. And I was like, Henry, look at the name of the movie. It's not called Planet of the Humans, is it? And he said, no. And I said, so who do you think's going to win this war? And he was like... The apes. He kind of knew going <laughs> in, so bright, I prepared him one. for the fact that these yeah. are these are bummer movies. You know, these are. Uh, but uh, no, I. I, I, I love I love the scene when Koba takes over that tank. Yeah, and that POV shot when he's yeah. Like yeah. scanning the whole. What the fuck? That when was so cool. Pushes the dude yeah. off of the tank. It looks so intense. Yeah, and just but I mean that yes, but like just after that though, like yeah. when, it, when you the see camera work, yeah. when you see the camera work, just because yeah. you know you're forward facing at that point, mm. you're seeing what what's coming up front and front yeah. and when he takes it over in the pan with the with the what is that called like the the front of the tank whatever the yeah. turret the Maybe. turret yeah. yeah just like kind of scan almost like a three yeah. like a panoramic yeah. shot and you're seeing holy shit there's all this stuff behind them too that's happening yeah this is mayhem. And also just Koba, the scene really cool. where he tricks the soldiers. Oh my like, goodness. That, was awesome. that scene was so good. It oh, looks so, so real. I know. He looks, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. When he, oh man, I love the part when he he was there and then he sat down beside him. He's yeah. like, Poof. He's like Poof. Yeah. Right. And then he picks up the gun. Oh my God. It was intense. I like how they did that scene twice though. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. You, he, he, well, he he he, he did was, like reconnaissance. Yeah, he like saw he that was they had, smart about. It. He, he's oh, that's yeah. He he, and he also knew like those two guys they had down there. They were too nervous. They were too like it was. Yep. He knew he could manipulate them, which is like amazing. Played what like a, a fiddle! Like what yeah. a great character Koba turns out to be. You know? Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I, no. I love that film, and I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been raving about it until yeah last week. And something is Uga chaka, Uga chaka, Uga. Something is overtaking our, our Facebook, text messages, and everything. We are part yeah. of the crowd on this one, though. This is yeah. a well loved movie, but Guardians yeah. of the fucking Galaxy. What the fuck is the shit, Ron? Mm-hmm. It yeah. is the shit. <laughs> I, I, I was very curious your take because you're usually one of the more critical of like these right. superhero, com- yeah, because uh, you love them, yeah, you, you love yeah. the source. So I think that what I was so I don't know much about Guardians of the Galaxy, but I do know about the long-term plan to connect everything Mm -hmm. and i do know about most of the franchises that are connecting them i think that i heard a comparison to star wars and i felt i don't i don't really know too much about star wars but i've seen them yeah you know what i mean so i saw it and i came in thinking all right that that's a pretty bold comparison but i watched it and i see why somebody would say that and then meets Fifth Element. And the reason I say that is it's the first... All right, so sci-fi is really hard to mix with comedy. Especially since it came out only two years ago. Sci-fi, that is. Sci-fi. <laughs> since it's so new. I had since, to. Since it's so, <laughs> since so it's, new that you already forgot the existed. Two years Steve, ago. I'm sorry I missed that one. Since its inception, <laughs> it's two years ago, with the film Oblivion. Yeah. Uh, it's been very hard to mix sci-fi. it with comedy. They've had yeah. a hard time. Edge of Tomorrow, earlier this summer, was yeah. a good try. It's it's a hard balance. <laughs> like To have comedy and shit like that mixed with it. You're right. That's You're one right. of and the only movies. And to genuinely funny yeah, and not generic witty banter. There yeah. are not you too know? many sci-fi movies that I can say... I really laughed at mm-hmm. and fifth element is one of them combined with the f- kind of feel of star wars yeah it felt like well, when i was a kid i remember thinking indiana jones movies were always funny yeah. like there was always and i remember thinking or realizing at one point like some of my favorite laugh moments yeah are like in raiders when indiana jones shoots the swordsman instead of having to fight with him these moments <laughs> that you but these moments that could threaten to derail a movie 
and make it too frivolous if it didn't have just enough going on. And I think throughout Guardians of the Galaxy, the humor would derail a movie that didn't have as much going on. Yeah. But it never becomes a spoof. It never undercuts its own... No. It never undercuts its own, like storyline with the jokes it never breaks that fourth wall but the jokes are just on that line of like if you were watching this movie and it were taking itself too seriously the joke you would make to your buddy sitting next to you do you know what i mean like they 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 anticipate that sort of we're gonna buy your investment in this world by going ahead and poking a little bit of fun at what's happening and what always happens in these movies and so there's so many moments that are like that play like a satire of a moment you've seen before, but it still has real heart and it's still connected yeah. to a real story. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's, in the sense of the Star Wars connection, uh, just the just the fact that it's like an adventure where one scene leads to the next, leads to the next, yeah. and you, the momentum of it. It very like I don't know what Star Wars is going to do next year. Now that could I mean I'm not saying uh, Star Wars could still be yeah. great, but yeah. before this movie, I was like, okay, Star Wars is going to bring that Star Wars flavor to everybody. But now that this movie's done this, it's like, you know, the what, what does Star yeah. Wars have to add? They better have a really good story and really good characters. Yeah, because it even if you don't know this world, I think that's the coolest part about it. You're seeing these people, these blue people, these weird people, these, mm-hmm. and all of it, regardless of what you know about them, still feels good. Yeah, there was okay, so. The reason why this movie is incredible to me is our jail scene, right? They're in jail. Mm-hmm. A shitty version of this movie would have had a food fight or something shitty. There would have been a fight in the jail. When Rocket says that he is, he owns these people and they're their bitch. Yeah, well, I love that's the, a I love different the use kind of the word booty there because it means booty. I mean, in terms of the movie, it's PG thirteen. They're yeah. talking about like pirates' booty. He's our booty yeah but in the context of a prison film it's yes. a riff on the guy claiming the guy and yes. i love the way chris pratt after that he plays that scene like yeah i'm with these guys <laughs> yeah. like you would in, in prison, prison yeah. if a, you were being protected by somebody else yeah. it's, it's so funny game james gunn has got such a subversive yeah way, it's a know? good it's a good bold scene yeah. every every scene with them is so bold it takes all the things that you you know about a, a movie with simple beats and kind of turns them on their head and makes it kind of sharp in a way that i wasn't expecting yeah. emotional in a ways that i wasn't expecting it was one of the best movies i've ever seen in my life it was one of it the was most it was one of the most positive film going experiences yeah. i've ever had like in, so in, that, in, in, in that sense in that sense that you're talking about because it fits that modern it feels very modern it feels very now yeah and yet it hits all the notes of my favorite films that, i mean like i was sitting there I kept saying this movie was made for me in my mind. I was like, this movie that they knew my like they, they I like the comedy, I like this crazy sci-fi, I like Rocket Raccoon. And by the way, they didn't just not screw Rocket Raccoon up; they made him awesome. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper was great. Yeah. And he brought the same like vulnerability and like wounded anger that he brings to something like uh, uh, Silver Linings Silver Playbook Lines. or or even um, in American Hustle that yeah. character. Like he brings that weird wounded pride to a character and yet this is a little animatronic raccoon i mean i i well not animatronic uh, cgi yeah i i I didn't i was just hoping oh please don't make it seem too silly but instead i was feeling for these characters i mean i was in true and you know a talking tree is another thing there's some of the most heartfelt reactions in an audience that i've experienced in recent times were experienced at the at what was going on with groot and what was going on with rocket and drax too david bautista i did not expect anything from him but he has some of the best line readings in the movie and some of the funniest stuff. Yeah. He's him saying, like, I like this knife. I'm taking it. <laughs> it's, it's I that, would catch it. That thing of, like, seeing big brutish people be terrible and him, t- it f- took everything that you, you expect and flipped it on its head. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like Batista because of wrestling. 
Right. And I was expecting it just to be okay. And he turned my perception of like a brutish, dumb person into how I feel about The Rock now. I was going to say, he seems yeah. like he's like on that yeah kind of like going from like uh to being like oh my god well, yeah, you be expected him to be kind of the dumb pile of muscle in the movie no, was... but instead he has some of like the most like kind of tender line readings yeah, in the whole so thing cool. and i love the way he's like shakespearean like everything he says like yeah. when um they're waiting in the ship and star lord has gone back to get the the walkman and he comes <laughs> flying around the side of the ship and it's like a hero moment for him uh uh drax sees him and says behold <laughs> <laughs> not look but, you know but i love that it was those moments like that and it's like throughout and, and each one of the characters had some kind of little it was like rocket raccoon never chilled out at the end of no. the movie he wasn't like saying i'm gonna be everyone's friend it's like he just warmed up a little bit he's, yeah. you know he's, yeah. and i guess at this point we're saying you should see it so yeah at this absolutely. point if we start naming favorite parts and they get a little spoilery it's your fault for still listening out there but we, we i hope you've already seen this film if you if you haven't stop listening go see it right now um but as far as the things that i found out you were talking about the unexpected emotional yeah. moments yeah um the moment that still sticks with me uh is the moment in the bar where rocket raccoon is 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 going off he's drunk his feelings are hurt and he's basically saying that these people are like he's tired of being picked on he's tired yeah. of people talking down to him i really did not expect not just that moment but i didn't expect to be feeling that moment and i think it has as much to do with what bradley cooper can do as anything else that's working about that scene I mean, obviously the look of the character is great and the feel of that moment but when you see him like saying he called me vermin you called me a rodent and you can hear him almost <laughs> tearing up he's yeah. like he's getting upset i don't know like the it's that moment when like you're yelling and your voice starts to crack because yeah. you're starting yeah. to cry right. a little bit yeah you could totally hear that bleeding through and yeah, it's like it, it just the, the fact that they went there with that character and, yeah. and that they did that even like the opening scene with uh, what happens with uh, Peter Quill and his mom like that they like in, within minutes I didn't expect tears to be rolling down my cheeks at this movie so but good. it was like so powerful yeah, it was good, good and like stuff. you know that kind of uh, that kind of tragic origin stuff they just they just dove right in with it so yeah they, they yeah man I don't did you find I, that... I gotta say I feel like it took me by a little a little by surprise me yeah. too I mean I definitely was very looking forward to it because I'm all in with this Marvel universe. I'm, you know, of the three of us, I'm the least familiar with with many of the comics, especially this source material. Oh, the, I would say even as a comics reader, like no, that's what I'm saying. Like Ronald just said, he's yeah. not, and you know, yeah, you're probably no. the most, and it's still but not what more you so. Rocket are. Raccoon, who was brought like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Was a, was a team that existed a long time ago, and then that went away, and then what happened in like 2008? This writing team brought brought the name back, and almost like as a almost like as a team of misfits, what they did was they dug up all these old goofy odd characters that had been kicking around the Marvel universe and not being used. Mm-hmm. So they found Gamora and they found Drax and they found Groot yeah. and, and Rocket and they brought them together. So like I knew Rocket Raccoon from a from a limited series that I have right over here, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, I didn't know him as the character that was brought into Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. So in my, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like I was as fresh as a moviegoer to this material as you were. And what I loved about it was how self-contained it was. And you didn't feel like you had to do your homework and see Thor the Dark World before seeing this well, that, one. That, you know was, what I mean? I was about to just say that I think, they, I think the unique piece about this is, and this is honestly one of the main reasons I feel like this is, I mean, this is my favorite Marvel film. This is my favorite movie this year. Um, what killed it for me, like what just made it amazing was that sort of what you were just saying is that where, you know, as much as I enjoy the Avengers, we all, I think at least really like yeah, the Avengers. Yeah, you I know, thought it was a great make, I feel like this makes the Avengers look like weak sauce. I think so too. Uh, only because of this. Only because I felt like you you were so into the Avengers because 
of the marquee characters. The accomplishment of it. Yeah. yeah the marquee characters yeah. and the standalone films led up to it. And then you're like, wow, they really pulled this together and it worked. And it yeah. was impressive. But to be able to do that in one film in two hours mm-hmm. with five characters that you end up caring about every single one of them, not just individually, yeah. but how they gel together throughout the film. And the fact that they gel together. is yeah. amazing. It's amazing. You know, like, I, And I think the fact that that, and, and, and this is maybe you guys can chime in on this, is that... That took precedence in this film for me than caring about what what was going on with the villains. Yeah, yeah. Like the villain stuff was fine, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed Lee Pace's Ronin, yeah. and in the you know the the glimpse of, uh, of 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 Thanos, and everything was fine. But it's like I almost felt like the villain part wasn't as important. To- as a it's goer. the inverse of the Batman problem. Exactly. Where the villains are always so much more interesting. Exactly. It was like now, and, th- and it's, I read where someone said that, that, that that's Marvel. That in Marvel, the heroes are what you watch it for. Whereas in yeah. DC, you it's more like you. there's a classic Joker story, or there's yeah. a classic Pink, whatever. But I do think there's, I mean, I think that's a, a generalization, but I do think that in these Marvel movies, they really, Loki's the only villain, yeah, the only real out. memorable villain that they've had thus far. Right. So I don't think that this movie fares, I think this movie fares slightly better than like, um, uh, well, the Thor films. And, but I mean, I do think the Winter Soldier was a pretty good villain. I thought Captain America Winter Soldier, one of the reasons why it worked was because it was such a fully rounded sure. movie experience. Sure. And it kind of was like this one. It was its own interesting movie that, that pulls from that Marvel Universe stuff, but it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like it was... It was more about telling a story and less about the kind of let's look at this giant achievement. And you're right, the Avengers stands out in my mind is still a great accomplishment in terms of what they were able to do. But when you get down to it, like I guess what I'm saying is, if I had the Blu-ray of Guardians of the Galaxy on the shelf and next to my Blu-ray of the Avengers, and I was looking for a movie to throw on, Guardians of the Galaxy would win every time. Every time. Just because I think that I would want to see. I mean, at this point anyway, I would want to see every scene of it again. Whereas with the Avengers, there's definitely parts that I still tune in and go, yeah. "Oh, I got to see this part." But there's also parts where I kind of tune out it out. But uh, yeah. I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do now because I also think that Joss Whedon, I think James Gunn benefited from the last couple of years sure. of what Marvel's done. And I oh, think we're definitely. going to see Joss yeah. Whedon when he does uh, Age of Ultron next year. I think that movie's going to show us what Joss Whedon's like actually capable of, that with the first Avengers movie, he was doing what you're saying, Steve, moving these giant pieces around to make sure it all works, whereas now it's all been established, and I think they kind of know what they're Buy doing into with it. it yeah. But yeah, this movie is still, even with all that, it's still unique because James Gunn's perspective, the writer-director of this who... You know, I, I think there were also James Gunn fans who were excited to see this Definitely. movie. Yeah. But like, you know, his track record, um, you know, he wrote and directed Super, wrote and directed Slither, wrote the screenplay for Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, and Scooby-Doo. And the Scooby-Doo, which was a well-liked script. Yeah. You know, I don't know what happened to the movie, no, but like, no, I know when the script, script was, was going solid, around yeah. it. But as far as that goes... Slither if, is also if, really good. If you're, yeah. yeah, if you're following his aesthetic... You see little oh, traces totally. of Slither oh, in this. You see little oh, traces totally. of, of even Super in this. Like there's the little odd jokes. The I, I just think that it's interesting to see both of those things happen at once, and it's very much like what happened with Joss Whedon with Avengers, where you're going, oh, not only is this a good movie, but they picked a good person to pull out of obscurity to make this, and that person, James Gunn, got to make a James Gunn movie. Yeah, totally. with Marvel's money, you know, and yet he and he still got some pretty James Gunny stuff in there. I thought the kind of crude humor. Rather than going, oh, that was a little crude. Why did they do that? I was kind of pleased that they managed to get so many, so many, like, you know, so many instances of the word dick and oh, shit. Yeah, and yeah he got my and, dick video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was fucking dying when he said that. Yeah, it, it was, it was good stuff. Like, I think that it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot to kind of establish 
uh, uh, like I said, like you were saying, kind of characters that you don't know at all. Yes. Nobody within five you, minutes. You're though. a fucking liar if you. Aside from a couple of us in my social circle that say that they knew these characters before this. Movie. Everybody's an expert. You now. are. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's an expert. But for them to establish these characters, it could have been horrible. It could have been a horrible movie. It, there was a lot of space for it because nobody uh-huh, knew I these see characters. What you did there, a lot of space. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of space. Like, there was, was infinite like, space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been terrible, but there's something about, yeah. It, I mean, you were more concerned about this group of people that really did not get along at first. I mean, it, that's always done. Like, there's always like the call to action. The character's like, fuck that. I don't like that person. But the way that it was done this time, where they were literally almost trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. and it felt like frantic. And yeah. the fact that they had to come together really quickly, but in a way that felt very organic. Well, I love that with, you know, A, mm. the, the first scene with the mom is very heartbreaking. And then the next scene you see is that opening. Yeah. title sequence where you just you know you've never seen this movie before yeah when he comes dancing into that temple and he puts on his walkman and i mean you've just never seen that movie before you know yeah. it you're watching it going okay um now you got me and then even the way the title came up on the screen it was quirky it was odd yeah. it was different um then they then he steals the the MacGuffin, and then they're on the the you know the 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 I, what's what is it called xandar yeah. i think they're on xandar and he's going to try to sell the thing he stole and within a few minutes We've. I was wondering how are they going to introduce these four or five characters? They got to get together. Like everybody but Drax is, is introduced. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, saying, I thought really the, the, the economy Genius. of that though was yeah. really clever because how you, you see him, yeah. you see them homing in, you see them, you see Gamora homing in. <laughs> you know, you've got little distractions like like Groot drinking from the fountain and stuff to kind of keep that scene funny. But it's still just like yeah, within a couple minutes they've introduced. They haven't just like oh we've got these crazy characters in this movie. It's like okay, within a few minutes we've hit you with the tree man and the talking raccoon and the green skin lady and the guy who you know if you've been watching parks and rec you know chris pratt is is one of the funnier comedic actors oh yeah active right now um i don't know what he did before i to understand he was on like everwood or oc or something yeah that was everwood a while ago he was in like a bunch of he's been in a bunch of movies but nothing but but we've known he was a star if you've been watching parks and rec you know he was a star before this definitely so just to see all that come together so quickly and then what had happened was it allowed just a few minutes later but it felt like that group was already established and then it gave drax much more of an entrance when he comes in because we've seen the other four and how they might interact together and here's this other presence and how he kind of joins up with i don't know that was also it was such fun storytelling just to say oh i can believe that these characters would be thrown together in this escape attempt in yeah. this prison and then what happens after that is is you know surprisingly heartwarming and surprisingly like about how these ad hoc families kind of become the real thing you know yeah. well it, i thought i thought it was really cool not to, i mean cut you ahead, no, cool, just cool. while we we're on that <clears throat> i thought that it was really cool that you buy them as a group obviously mm-hmm. but that what binded them as a group it wasn't like my relationship to you and then yours to John. Mm-hmm. It was like how they each bonded with one another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't one directional. Like it wasn't that Rocket was fun with or close to Groot and then Groot, like, I don't know, got close to Gamora. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it, it was like a web. Mm-hmm. Like they all had moments in the, throughout the film where they were all interacting with one another and you could tell that like there was a reason that each of them was bonding with one another which is what made that group so much stronger right well i would say i would compare that to the avengers there are definitely characters that i felt like paired off in the avengers where like they were like 
the friends that mm-hmm. that's their go-to guy or whatever but in this film i felt like i could see rocket going out and doing something with gamora mm-hmm. or with drax because yeah. there were moments where you saw them actually connect whether it was in violence or yeah. just humor it was it happened and like and witnessing that like within the first hour of the movie mm-hmm. i mean that's 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 like the that's like success you know what i mean like that's just blows my mind that that happened that i thought it was gonna be a longer movie yeah it did. also and it was like super super efficient well, uh, talking about that little connection thing, like right down to that last that last bit where um, where Rocket's sitting there and he's sad about something that's happened, and Drax comes up and pets him. Yeah. And you know that Rocket doesn't like to be treated like a pet or like an animal, and you're sitting there going, "Oh, they're going to have him say something snarky, or he's going to like it for a second, and then he's going to knock his hand away." But no, he kind of just sits there, and he he reminds me of when I come up and pet one of my cats, and they kind of go like, "I needed that." Like they, you know, it's yeah. like you believe it's like in that moment. He's a sweet little animal getting petted, and you didn't even expect those two characters to have to come to any kind of peace. But at the end of the movie, kind of what you said, Steve, it's very neatly tied together. Everybody's had their moment. Their with, moment together. With everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really, really impressive. Sorry, what were you? What were you going to say just then? Oh, just um, that <clears throat> the bond that they had just seemed very like it came out of just respect of what they what they brought to the table what they what each had to offer yeah, yeah. and and it wasn't done in a way that was like super crazy i just thought it was henry was just reminding me of the funny part of when drax <laughs> yeah. says, why would he put a finger to his throat that was so funny yeah that was a funny part <laughs> thank you henry so did you love the movie henry mm-hmm. i really didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> who's your favorite character I'm Star Lord. Yeah, Star Lord. Yeah, Star Lord was really cool. He was really cool. Remember, one, two, three. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm trapping you, Big Turd Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, yeah. And because I don't really care what the distraction is, as long as he doesn't really yeah. destroy the world. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's a chance to save the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, speaking of Ronan, though, you were talking about the villain piece. A lot of people have night buddy. A lot of people have been kind of knocking the the villains as though they are not as uh, developed as they ought to be. But I I felt like the, they all at least got a moment. Yeah, and I think like Nebula had the moment where she gets all messed up and then puts herself back together. And I felt like Ronan's moment was the baller move of when he basically just hung Tur- up on Thanos and said, him, yeah. no. and it's like, I guess maybe we could have used more character development going into that, but that's the one thing I was like, okay, I guess all I'm looking for in these movies is, does the villain do something that kind of is memorable to me? Yeah. And I think that seeing the, I mean, I guess the one thing that does is make it maybe hurts the development of Thanos in, in people's minds a little bit because we still haven't seen him do anything cool. Yeah. We've seen him pop up in these little cameos. I do think if they need to do something with that character quickly, somewhere in the next few movies to show us why he's such a bad guy because yeah. at this point he doesn't seem you know what I mean it's yeah, like he's, he's like, more no, of just a name but I did like that moment that it made it made Ronan seem like okay at least he's got some balls that he you know no I, I, I didn't I, it's funny like I say that I, I didn't I didn't I, I, I don't find them lacking I don't but see I agree that they weren't as interesting as the, the yeah the I don't guys. see it as a weakness at all in this film like I, I definitely like you just said there's moments with the villains like I, I get what they're doing it's 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 what's bringing you know, our heroes together. But I, I just felt like, you know, the, the, the focus and the, you know, the heart, like the heart, the soul, the, 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 the reason that this movie's there is that we see why these guys come together right. and, and we're buying this and we're waiting to see what happens next. And yeah, that, totally. That, 
every checkbox is done. You know, like I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Same. I loved it. Soundtrack's awesome. I thought Chris Pratt was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I love him. I think he should be a star. I, something about that role, something about the movie, something about it just feels very iconic to me. Yeah. And like we were talking on Facebook, like I, I reposted James Gunn. He sent like a thank you letter. Yeah. Like out over the weekend to fans like that supported him. And, did not and, have to do that and he and, did and it. And Marvel you know? fans, you know, just classy guy. You can tell that like he completely is like on cloud nine with this whole thing as he should be because he killed it. He yeah. fucking killed it. No, imagine being in that position. I can't even you know? imagine. And then to take a moment to thank people, you know, like he's a very social. He's on social media all the time. Mm-hmm. Friends of mine have been like have talked to him on Facebook and Twitter before, and you know, and I posted, I reposted saying like I I did feel as an adult, a grown man at this point. The way I felt like as a kid sometimes watching movies like this when I went to theater, you know, I referenced movies like, you know, Ron mentioned like Star Wars, like Back to the Future, Indiana Jones. It is a ride. Yeah. Like those movies. Mm. Listening to Henry talk like that. Oh, yeah. Like it is something where like there's a hero. We played a week long uh, game of, of, you know, this was my favorite part. This was my favorite part. Yeah, of course. Like because you can pick a ton. But Mm. I mean, I just, you know, it it felt like that. And like even, even the thought crossing my mind to relate it. Tells me that there's something very special about the film. Yeah. Because yeah. we see tons of movies, and sometimes it, it, it just teeters on that little brink of like um, where I feel about this film. And it is hands down one of the most exciting experiences I've had in a movie theater in a long time. Yeah. Like absolutely. a long time. And we can all agree on that, I think. And it's a rare thing, man. And I mm-hmm. hope it holds over well. I hope it keeps destroying. It hasn't even opened in a lot of the foreign territories where a lot of these Marvel films like kill. I hope it's a beast. I, you know, I want everybody from this movie to just succeed and and these characters to stick around for a while. I want yeah. to see him have a bigger role, you know, in the in this this Marvel canon. And I, well, at uh, this point, if it. they do what they seem to be doing, mm-hmm. and they do eventually do like <clears throat> Avengers three, where they bring the Guardians of the Galaxy into it, which is what the rumor is, that just I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that feeling we had in the Avengers, where it was just cool to see all those characters together on screen, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh wow, they did it. Imagine the effect of that if we they keep building our love for these characters and then in some some way they have to team up and help each other. Like it can be like one of those comic panels, Ronald, where you've got like a wide panel and you've got like thirty characters that are all floating in outer space <laughs> ready to go fight somebody. They can they, they they will have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they keep doing what they seem to be doing, they'll be doing that, but you'll we'll also have Ant Man, we'll also have Doctor Strange. Quick question for you guys about this. Is the problem, is there a problem with Marvel's, I know there's a lot of press about the diversity or lack of diversity in the sense that these are all still movies that are headlined by a white dude. Is it a yeah, problem? A bit. Quick question, and then a follow-up. One would be, is it a problem that even in a movie this diverse, that the, the default lead character, the hero, is still the white dude? And the other question is, is... Is it time for Marvel to announce, uh, uh, you know, a minority or female-led movie? I mean, it's like I don't like to think of movies as having quotas or anything like that, <clears> but I do think when they're when they're announcing when they're you know they recently picked a slate of dates that take them up to 2019, mm-hmm. a couple of those years with did, three movies in a year. Didn't they just do that though? They still this haven't. Week? They still haven't announced anything. There's like, a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure that. and a lot of. But I'm saying I, I, Kevin Feige or how Feige, yeah. however you say his name, <clears> he has said. 
that with all these moving parts and these franchises they have, that they have a certain order in which they have to do things. Yeah. I don't think they want to announce anything until it's like I, I, Marvel likes to make a big event out of announcing sure. those things. I don't think they want their their thunder to be stolen. Did but you? There's hear... a character named Miss Marvel, and there's a mm. character named Black Panther. Yeah. Who a lot of people have that. been kind of pushing. I do think it's about time for them to do that. But I also, like I said, I don't like the feeling of suggesting that there haven't been strong female characters in these Marvel movies. We well, obviously haven't seen Elektra. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like even in Winter Soldier, like it's as much a Black Widow movie as yeah. it is a Captain America Definitely. movie. Yeah. And I, is, is there cowardice in just not putting that, you know, making the top line character the... the uh, you know what I mean? I'm not even saying I think it's true. I'm just saying, do you, do you, ha- do you think it's time for them to do that? Or do you kind of feel like they'll get to it when they get to it? I mean, I would. I mean, I would probably say the latter for yeah. me. I, I don't. I don't. And I, I don't know. Like, like you don't think Marvel has a diversity problem in terms of the movies <clears throat> they've been putting out? I, it's never crossed my. Yeah. It's never crossed my mind. As a brown person, I always think about that. Yeah, well, that, I, I mean, mean, it's 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 just one of those things where, like, not just because, not just because I just want to see a brown person. It's because the ones that they put a lot of these movies are shitty. Mm-hmm. Why not just gamble on something that was. Like there's all there's been this rumor. Well, um, what's his name? Not Topher, uh, the dude that played the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, what's his name? Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield has said in interviews that he wouldn't mind the Hispanic kid that's gay being the next Spider-Man. Like he he'd be okay with like so Spider-Man. There was another version of. So Spider-Man. now that we know that a white dude's okay with it, we can go ahead and. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I guess the idea is like maybe at some point. Well, in that comic. Peter Parker dies, and yeah, you know what I mean, like in the Ultimate, which is yeah. what you're talking about, Miles Morales. Yeah. So I don't know. Sometimes I really get sick of Anthony s- Mackie was great as Falcon. Yeah, but I mean, but, but, and Don but, Cheadle's really great as lead. you know. But I mean, right. But what John, what John's asking though, is it something that you think is Marvel lacking in diversity? Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think that I think that in general, when I see somebody like Idris Elba and Thor or something like that, I get. I get extra excited, mostly because like it's okay. It's so bad that it's okay to people. Yeah, like it's like it. You wouldn't you wouldn't think twice that there's a cast that just doesn't have any diversity in it. Mm-hmm. But I would like I think that people are a little more uneasy about the idea of a, a character that was traditionally like. Kingpin, you remember when Kingpin came? People were furious. Yeah, and, but I, that, like, I that can't part believe of fandom, that part of fandom I've never understood. Like that part of fandom, <laughs> I've like, never understood believe. the people who say I can't believe they're casting a black guy yeah. as this character. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it would make it would be weird if it was like I don't know. There's it's rare that I ever think of someone's race as like a character trait of that no, character. Do you no, know what I mean? Like, no, but no. it seems like the but default it's... more often than not, the default is white. And that when people say, yeah. like recently Woody Allen uh, pissed a lot of people off, and I think justifiably so, when he said that one of the reasons why he doesn't cast a lot of black people in his movies is because he only casts a black person if he finds it to be necessary. And I want to be thinking, uh, yeah, like, well, yeah. what, is that, what does that mean? That he's writing characters <laughs> yeah. to be white? Like, why yeah, not just see the best actors? Yeah. But what that means is, when, and if you look in his movies, it's a drug dealer, it's a prostitute, mm-hmm. it's yeah. a cab driver, or whatever. It's like, so that's what he means by, like, it's got to be. Wow. Whereas, why not have uh, Danny Glover up for the same part that Alan Alda would be in your movie or something? Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? Like, not that, not that Danny Glover's energy yeah. is, is, is he, I could have picked a better a- actor for Woody Allen's movies. But when I heard that, I was like, what a tone deaf thing to say that you don't realize how bad that sounds. Yeah. That you should be sort of colorblind in your, 
like they say casting is never colorblind, but I think the goal would be and should be to see like yeah. that that would be a real breakthrough to say we're just we need people that are middle aged and not be like it's got to be a white guy or something like yeah. that. And I think that often in our movies that we see that's the default. If that if sure. people that if people are saying we're not casting we're, we're we're opening to to everyone. We're casting in a colorblind way. I think people still end up casting mostly white people. Yeah. You, I think yeah. what you have yeah. to do is say, no, this person's Hispanic. This character's black. This, you know what I mean? I think you have to go out of your way yeah. to make it happen now because otherwise, the, it's not going to happen by accident. It's it's really it, it's it's strange that. So I deal with this a lot. The whole idea that like you see a person, you speak to a person, you expect a certain behavior out of them. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot at work. Like there's like a, a a fixed idea in someone's head about how I should speak, how I should act, what I do in my life. I think that's called a stereotype. Right? Yeah, it is a yeah. stereotype. But but like it's it becomes a real thing. Like it becomes like I'm not the, the person that you think I am just right. because you have an idea in your head, and maybe societal standards are shitty and maybe down the line you'll see like a character and nothing man this black person was really good in this movie that was supposed to be a white person maybe or and it can just be a person that happens to be black in a movie i i don't that'll that's going to take a long time. I think the people that are bothered by that, though, are racists. And I think, you know... I oh, think that, absolutely. Like, there's a lot of people that think they're saying, oh, let's just be true to the character. But what they're really saying yeah. is like, I'm yeah. not ready to relate to... He's supposed to be a... Yeah, that's bullshit. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's very a heavy, bizarre. It's a heavy I, I honestly idea. don't even like... I, I, don't, I don't even really think of it like... I don't, I don't know. You don't I, see I, color, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really see it like... Like it doesn't it doesn't something I analyze like mm-hmm. like yeah. you're saying like how could they have made Kingpin black like I it, it's like it just, it's a character right. like I don't care who fucking plays him is he good yeah. mm-hmm. that's just kind of how I see like when I watch a movie I could care less you know it's like there's a oh, large a population right of people for the what there's a large population of people that are the complete opposite though. no I, like, no t- I mean the obviously. fucking announcement that uh the dude from Fantastic Four is gonna be black that yeah. oh, Michael B. Michael B Jordan is yeah. gonna be in it like people are fucking oh, if really? you yeah. Why would that have? Why is there a black person in this movie when clearly this character is white in the comic book? That's right. a real thing. Like a lot of people feel like that. Yeah. No, I know so it exists. I just eh. it's weird to me. Like I don't think twice. Like I like he's a great actor. I think. Like, yeah. Right. So put him in the movie. But like, that's like it's like, nice like mix up. Let's see what that looks like. I mean, every yeah. now and then there's a piece of casting that's so perfect because the person really does look like the drawings that you've seen, and that's kind of cool when it happens. But yeah. that's like they they deviate from so much. Yeah. already why couldn't they deviate you know what i mean it's like yeah. to me it's just one more adaptation choice that yeah. might be that might work or might not but it's not like yeah i've never it's, I've not, never, it's, not, a, it's not a comic but one of the greatest possible uh casting rumors we were talking we talked about it multiple times when they mm. were talking about who's taking over james bond oh my god Idris Elba. Yeah. oh my god mind blown perfect yeah. I would, but, I'd pay to see that movie twice. Yeah. But I think people are ready for that. Like, I think there's a lot of people that would complain, but I think a lot of people are totally ready for that. Like, they would be, they would feel happy about going to the theater to yeah. buy their ticket to that movie, you know? Like, they would, I think people would watch the shit out of that movie. If it was, I think it'd be done oh in God, a tasteful yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And I think there'd be funny jokes about, you look a little different. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that would be kind of cool, but. Yeah. Jesus, man! Just have one black lead in something that's not somebody's not Denzel. I was to say, yeah. And I think that I think that Idris Elba is the new Denzel I if he's so handled too, well. If he got that, he he needs that role. He needs like, something you know, like that. Yeah, he deserves I love it. That I, mean, dude. I think he's just a good actor, and I don't think when I see him, I don't think about his race. And I think that that's even as a black person yeah. for me to say that 
is you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. speaks volumes about his level of acting, sure. his diversity. When sure. I saw him in Prometheus, I was like, oh, okay, he's yeah. he's Idris Elba. He's a guy. A great accent. He's a, he's a fucking great actor. I don't. So, you're right. I think there's a lack of diversity in Marvel movies. I think it's time is what I'm saying. I think yeah. right I, now, I, yeah, I think I, the I, question has been raised too many times and they need to, if, I think they just, if they do it, they get some things on the schedule, it'll just prove that they're not stuck in the past. It's like, it's not like they'll get brownie points for I, I it. hope that they, like, I, I don't know. I hope that that's not how they approach no, it. No, right. You know? Because of the after credit scene in this movie, there's now people wondering if there's going to be a Howard the Duck movie. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Um so I guess what I'm saying is if Marvel gets around to rebooting Howard the Duck mm-hmm. before they have a female or a minority gotcha. led movie, gotcha. that's a problem. Yeah, you no, know, I agree. That, that's Agreed. all I'm saying. Like Agreed. I'm not saying I don't like I said, I hate the notion of a quote and I hate the notion of them feeling like they have to be politically correct. I, but there's okay. too many good characters that they aren't doing that with. They've got stables of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe a poor choice of words. <laughs> but <they've> got, um, <laughs> <laughs> they have a plantation full of <laughs> Marvel and their stable of minority characters. But I mean they've got too many good characters that they haven't been doing it'll Absolutely. start it'll start to Absolutely. look conspicuous if you, yeah. if you if you bring back Howard the duck. Yeah. yeah no totally i agree with that well that, they've that's gotten a, that's true did you hear about the licenses that they oh, well obviously daredevil they got back they got blade back mm-hmm. and there's there's one other ghost rider one. ghost rider yeah mm-hmm. so they're gonna do these things well mm-hmm. i think that since those have already come out put some new shit out take some chances this movie proves hell yeah that yeah. they can take some chances and it might be fucking Fuck, incredible absolutely well, they said their what new model every year is going to be sequel and new movie sequel and new all right movie. so it. they need yeah. to do t- it if if they come up with a character that i have never heard of from 1960 mm-hmm. that happens to be a minority fucking do it mm-hmm. happens to be a woman i don't even if there's okay so I know that there probably Next will be... There was a character of 1960 named Colored Man. <laughs> Colored no, I'm just kidding. I don't think there was. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. If they do like a Wonder Woman movie or something like that, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's DC. Oh, yeah, you're right. And that's, Fuck, that's, that's I Justice think, I, think, I mean, it's similar, yeah. similar You're right. Point. Fuck, man, you're right. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, they can't... But, but that's happening. It's all happening. Yeah, it's all happening eventually. We're watching you, Marvel. DC. We're watching you, Hollywood. Yeah. We have our eye on you. Well, this was a pleasure, guys. That was yeah, a yeah, lot man. of movies. Seriously, though, if you take anything from this two-hour podcast... <laughs> we jammed a lot into fucking go see Guardians of the Galaxy. Please. And if you want another really great movie, go see Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Um, if that, you know... They're both great films, but Guardians just... Um, wow. It's it's really... It's, it's the it's, of those. It, it, it's, it's, it's like, how many of those do you have in your title? If yeah. you have at least one... You're a greater good than or equal to one yeah. you're in a good yeah. shape to <laughs> the two shape. of the movies if you don't see those you are a piece of shit um, so we yeah. change the name of this podcast to movies of the schmovie <laughs> <laughs> sure. obviously we should have been doing that uh, yeah. I think we, we know what the ha- name we'd, pro- we'd probably have ten <laughs> listeners I think, I think we, we know what that. the name of this episode <laughs> is at least uh, yeah guys I mean ton- th- th- we talked about tons of movies right now but yeah Guardians of the Galaxy um, we love it we love James Gunn we love everybody in this movie and we really, really, I mean, I speak for these guys, I'm sure, like, make it a fucking huge success. Go see this movie. Go see it again. I, I'm taking my dad to see it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Take people that you want to have a good time at the theater with to see this movie. It is yeah. guaranteed probably the best time you'll have at a theater this year. I think so, too. Go see it. Please. Um, that's episode 116. Sheesh. Yep. Coming to it. This episode is probably 116 minutes, if I, if I would be guessing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, thank you guys for listening iTunes, uh, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, 
maybe. I don't know. If we're still doing SoundCloud. Yeah, I think we should do we SoundCloud. Got, I think we got maxed out on our number of minutes yeah. or number of posts. Yeah, you have to pay for it after. Yeah, that's that what point. I'm saying. Like you got to get that pro <clears throat> which, membership. Which isn't the worst idea. I think the SoundCloud's a good. It's nice. Spot, it's yeah. nice. But check us out. We, you know, you know where we're at. Moviesmoviesgmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're always willing to take some suggestions for episodes. John can only have so many ideas for episodes. Know, he's geez. our he's our brain. Yeah. Uh, help him out, please. Uh, as always, you made our day. Thanks, guys, for listening. Bye. He fell back in his room, only to find Gideon's Bible. Gideon checked out. And he'll